Welcome to the Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore. It is Monday, September the 11th, 2023. On this edition of the Politocrat, 22 years ago today. It has been a long time, but we have not forgotten September 11th, 2001. We're talking about that and about loss coming up next. Hello again and good day to you on this brand new edition of the Politocrat Daily Podcast. It is a Monday, September 11th, 2023. It's great to have you aboard. Omar Moore here. And uh, yeah, it's been a while. Um, The Politocrat is here, though, and it is not going anywhere. And I thank you for your patience and your time. We've had Labor Day holiday weekend here in the United States. That was just a week ago. And now we have... September 11th, 2023. Now, this is a very solemn day for those of you in the United States, particularly in New York State, particularly in New York City, but also, of course, in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, and in Arlington, Virginia, where the Pentagon is, and Langley, Virginia, where the Pentagon is. Uh, Because on this day, 22 years ago, you had a coordinated terrorist attack on the United States. Now, we've had one since then, of course, two and a half years ago on January 6, 2021. The one we had on February the 11th, excuse me, September the 11th, pardon me, 2020, 2001. My memory is scrambling ever by the second here. The one we had on September 11th, 2001, took the lives of nearly 3,000 people, most of them in the World Trade Center Twin Towers, Tower 1 and Tower 2, a number of them um, also, as I mentioned, in a plane in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, a plane that crashed there, uh, United 93 was the flight, and of course, uh, lives lost in the Pentagon when a plane slammed into the Pentagon. Now, look, I know there have been a lot of people over the years who have conspiracy theories around what happened 22 years ago. And certainly there are some questions that never have been really answered to the best of my satisfaction, uh, to my satisfaction. And there certainly are some things that do cause you to scratch your head about what happened 22 years ago. But one thing is for sure, 3,000 people, nearly 3,000, no, 2,974, five to be exact, perished. There's no question about that. No question about that whatsoever. So um, it's a very sad, somber day. Very sad day. Every year this is sad. And I didn't lose anyone per se. I mean, I actually knew of people who I had worked with, um, who I had transacted with, who were in the towers. I used to work in finance many years ago in uh in, you know, in, 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 in stock market and in trading and whatnot. And so I would actually speak to people who were at brokerage houses that were stationed inside the World Trade Center Twin Towers. And some of those people passed away. So there is, for me at least, that kind of connection with that day. And also another thing about that day, 
I was scheduled for a job interview uh, at at the Towers, actually at, uh, I think it was Seven World Trade Center, to be precise, Salomon Brothers, um, because I was going to leave the job I was presently at in that financial world, and I was slated for an interview with Salomon Brothers, and the interview was supposed to take place around, I think, one thirty in the afternoon, and of course that never happened. And just imagine if that interview was scheduled for nine o'clock or eight thirty in the morning. Eight forty-three in the morning was the was the moment that the first plane struck the World Trade Center tower, and then at eight fifty-nine, that was the time of the second plane striking the other World Trade Center Tower. So I remember this, you know, in New York, and I'm sure you did as well, dear listener, if you are in New York or if you were in New York at the time or if you were on the ground. I know people who have relatives who actually saw this happen right before their eyes, not on television, but right before their eyes. They were actually down in the area and saw some horrific things, which I'm not going to, repeat here that they will that will stay with them for the rest of their lives so it's a very sad day and I remember the billowing smoke I remember the tv pictures I'm sure you do too wherever you are across the planet I remember smelling that smoke all the way into Brooklyn I remember taking photos of the towers from where I was perched I remember seeing the paper from these towers floating um, into the sky and floating all the way back. And it was just horrible. And walking around the city in the days after what happened, it was just a very sad time. I remember all the newscasts and all the um, relentless repeated reporting and all the rest of it and the the trauma of the way it was being reported. I was glued to the TV like a fool. I was completely glued to it for hours and hours. And then at night, you'd have these F-15s, these fighter jets flying over. And it was terrifying. And uh, especially when it was completely dark, as it was late at night. And you just didn't know if the fighter jet was going to hit your, your building. Um, because you had this image of the planes hitting the towers and they kept repeating that on TV all day that day, you know? You know, it was just very traumatic. It was not good for television. It was not good for your soul to see that. But I was sitting there glued as you do when you see these traumatic events and it's not good for you. And of course, the 24-hour cable companies, cable TV uh, stations did not help. Cable news TV stations did not help either. So that was the problem with it. And by the end of the, in fact, it wasn't even the end of the day. By the time we got to maybe midday in New York, there were people on television already talking about terrorism. And, you know, we didn't hear from George W. Bush, who was in the White House at that time, um, until a good few hours after that even. And he, he was uh, off at Air Force Base in, in Omaha, Nebraska, I think it was. And he was from an undisclosed location, but it, he then ended up being at this off at Air Force off at Air Force Base, I believe it was in Nebraska. And he was saying terrorism has struck, evil won't win, you know, stuff like that was going on. And um, 
he was rendered useless. I mean, he was the one who on 9-11 was reading out the pet goat to uh, fifth graders or elementary schoolers. I believe it was fifth graders in in, in a classroom in Florida. And then he just was scrambled out of there. Uh, he sat there for 10 minutes or didn't know what the heck to do. And it was just a whole mess. And then, you know, within a few hours and by the end of the day, he gave a message on television in the White House, the Oval Office. I'm not going to replay that. But the bottom line is I'm just kind of looking back over that day 22 years ago now. And I remember within the next day or two, um, George W. Bush also gave a message out not to attack people who are Muslim or people who are Arab or people of those backgrounds and persuasions. And I thought that was actually a really good thing that he did. We are a long way from that now, of course. But this is also the same George W. Bush who um, exploited September 11, 2001. And, and we know that Dick Cheney did that as well. And we know that both of them, along with the late now Colin Powell, along with Condoleezza Rice, along with Donald Rumsfeld, Paul Wolfowitz, and all the rest of them that were in that Bush administration at the time, we all know they're all war criminals. All of them war criminals. Because they exploited and used this day, 22 years ago, to go to war illegally with a country that did not bomb the United States of America, did not do the things 22 years ago that they were being accused of doing. And it was a complete exploitation. And it was a war crime that was committed. And hundreds of thousands of Iraqis died at the hands of the United States government's military when there was no need for that. And over the, the year or two that followed, September 11, 2001, we had all of this terrorism, threat scares and orange alerts and all this stuff. You know, George W. Bush got reelected off of this, let's be honest, because he didn't do anything uh, in that first term to help people in any real substantial way. All he did was terrorize the U.S. public and had them all scared around September 11th. We had gone to an illegal war with Iraq. You know, we bullied the United Nations. Colin Powell lied before the world about weapons of mass destruction, which, of course, the Iraqis never had, never had. Saddam Hussein was murdered. And, you know, he was never. And this is someone that the U.S. was in bed with in 1983. Donald Rumsfeld and the famous handshake. It was Saddam Hussein shaking hands there, you know, in 1983. And then just what? Less than 20 years after that, you know, 20 years after that, they killed him. They assassinated him. It was just evil, 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 evil. The United States government. And what they did around 9-11-2001 exploited that event, exploited the loss of life to wage war. And then wage war before that, of course, against Afghanistan, October 7th of 2001, if you remember, was the day where the U.S. military bombed Afghanistan. And they really did not want Osama bin Laden because Osama bin Laden was in their crosshairs in, I believe, November of that year, 2001, in the caves of Tora Bora, in the mountains of Tora Bora. And the U.S. military had him trapped and they let him go. Or he evaded capture, whatever the hell it was. But they had him. And then it wouldn't be until a whole lot of years later, eight to be precise, when at the time President Barack Obama, in May of 2009, 
May 1st of that year, to be precise, the first term in office where Barack Obama announced from the White House East Room that Osama bin Laden had been captured and killed under his watch by the SEAL Team 6, the U.S. military, SEAL Team 6, Navy. Tactical team. So the bottom line is, is that one administration allowed this guy basically to go. And we were told forever that Osama bin Laden was the person we had to get. He did these things. He was the mastermind. And there were a million masterminds, if you remember, whether it was Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, whether it was Osama bin Laden, whether it was the other one and this one and the 25th hijacker, Masawi, and we, you know, and all the rest of it. This was just all a lot of spin. Um, look, I'm not saying that these things didn't happen. They definitely did. But we were just being pulled as the U.S. public from seven different ways to Sunday on who did what and when. And so everyone was confused and terrorized and traumatized and walking through the streets of New York. Um, people banded together in those days. In those days, uh, immediately after what happened uh, 22 years ago today, people banded together. And they were resilient. It was a different kind of New York. It was a New York where people were embracing each other. And I'm not saying that New Yorkers weren't doing that before this day 22 years ago, but I am saying there was a newfound closeness and New Yorkers were looking out for each other. New York has taken a hit over many years um, as a city that doesn't care, but people do care in New York. You know, if you've li and I lived there for many years, and if you know anything about New York, you know people do care and they, they will reach out and they do care more so than in any other city in the country, I would say. Um, and so that's really what happened. And, you know, these politicians exploited it. I'm not going to even mention that criminal who was being dubbed America's mayor, um, doing the things that any New York mayor would have done. But for some reason, the corporate news media here, uh, well, there in New York, were lionizing him. And now they're acting as if he's not a criminal, you know. So... You know, they're neutrally reporting on him now like he's not some kind of criminal. And he always was. And so, you know, he hasn't learned anything in 22 years. And he exploited this too. He ended up getting reelected off of this as well. Um, actually, he didn't get reelected. He, he, he asked to stay a third term, which he didn't get. Um, Mayor Bloomberg did because Mayor Bloomberg got elected late that year in a delayed in a delayed primary and a delayed election because remember there was a primary on this day if you're a new york new yorker as i am you will remember that there was actually a primary in new york to vote um on this day 22 years ago tuesday september the 11th 2001 and of course that quickly got cancelled um, when it was clear what was going on and then that primary got rescheduled i think to either october or november it might have been october um, if I remember correctly. But the bottom line is, is that that was what happened on this day 22 years ago. And I just gave you a fill-in uh, over the last 15 minutes of what happened and the realities of that day. And I just think now, if you look back, and it's very sad still, 22 years later, all the lives lost. And, you know, you think of the way I think that some of the politicians here in this country have exploited this day. And 
you know, today you think you see the people down there at the World Trade Center site and the memorial, um, you know, and you've got the new tower up there, the Freedom Tower, as it's called now. And I've been up in there. Um, you know, I remember walking, by the way, uh, at the time, back in 22 years ago, um, walking a block or two away from the site itself, all the wreckage that you saw. And I saw people taking photos of it because you did have cell phones back in 2001. And people were taking photos of, of the, it with their phones. I refused. I didn't think that that was right to do. And just like I don't think it's right to take, to pose at the memorial site. I saw so many people in the years after posing next to the site of people's names. I, I, I think that's really tacky and smiling at, oh, here I am next to the names of the dead from what happened in September 11th, 2001. I think there's something really tacky and unseemly about it. And so, you know, I shake my head every time I see people taking photos next to memorials, you know, taking a photo next to the names of people who died on the footprint of those towers, which is where the memorial is in New York right now. And so it's a very sad day. No one's going to ever forget this day. And I won't forget all these politicians, particularly these Republican politicians who absolutely have exploited this day for their own ends, whether it's that piece of garbage who's now um, in trouble legally, who's a scumbag, whether it is any of these other people, these war criminals who are being, you know, somewhat being lauded now. You know, I saw Condoleezza Rice last night, um, or yesterday, on the, the NFL season began yesterday in sports here in the U.S., and uh, she was in the game that was being played in Denver. Denver taking on the Las Vegas Raiders. Not that that matters to most people. Um, but for some people who are sports fans, it does, particularly those two teams. And so there was a shot of Condoleezza Rice in the director's box out there in Mile High Stadium in Denver. And so, you know, the news cut, the sportscaster, oh, there's Condoleezza Rice. And she's here taking the ball game in and da-da-da-da-da-da. And it's like there's a complete absence of memory. Oh, let's not forget, let's not remember that she was part of this group of war criminals. Oh, no. Oh, it was Condoleezza Rice. And the American memory just disappears, dear listener. It just completely does. Down the memory hole. And our attention spans aren't even a nanosecond anymore. We barely register anything anymore in this country. And before we've gone on to the next thing. And we don't even remember what the last thing was. And, you know, that's down to all this technology and all the uh, the breathless reporting of the corporate news media and the 24-hour cable news networks and all the rest of it. And they report the same story for 24 hours, 48 hours, but yet you still forget because all of the things that get talked about are so utterly inane. And even the way that news is done on radio, the roundup, time for the roundup. And you hear someone read something for 10 seconds or less, even five seconds, and they don't build on it. It's all headlines, and it's the same thing with social media. You get a headline in a tweet or wherever you get your social media, and there's barely any link to a story, especially from the people who are tweeting that story. They tweet out the headline, or they tweet out a screenshot from a story, but no context, no link to the full story, nothing. Nothing. I mean, for all you know, the story could have been from 10 years ago. And there's no context. And that's how we communicate with each other now on social media. So, you know, this day begets a lot of things. And then the technology begets a lot of things that aren't good for us. Isn't good for our capacity to reflect. Isn't good 
for us and our ability to emote and feel. We're just reacting all the time. We go to a concert or or a ball game and we've got our phones out constantly trying to record something without processing it. And then we're tweeting it and putting it on Instagram and saying, hey, look, look at what I'm watching now. But we're not even processing the moment that we're watching and witnessing and experiencing. And so all these things become byproducts of something that is not positive. Let me put it that way. So that's where I am with September 11, 2001. And look, it's very sad. I cried before recording this today. Speaking of feelings, I cried. Hey, oh, it's sad. It's loss. The pain of people reading out all of these loved ones. Every group of people, two people at a time, reading out names, maybe 20 at a time. You know, 2,900, you know, whatever. I mean, I lose count of the people. Whether it was 2,700 and something or 2,976, I always lose count. There's so many people whose lives were lost in that attack. And have we ever really brought anybody to account for it? I mean, yeah, we have to a degree. But, you know, we killed Osama bin Laden, who was a CIA trainee, by the way. We got rid of Saddam Hussein. Not we, but the U.S. government did. And he was trained by the CIA. Uh, I mean, it's all very dirty to me. I'm not even being any kind of conspiracy theorist here. Things do not add up. I'll never forget that New York Times headline. I still have the paper here from September the 12th, Wednesday, September 12th, 2001, where there were eyewitnesses saying, "We we saw these cars just blow up one after the other like it was a controlled rigged explosion. We saw the tower just give way, puffs of smoke as if they were controlled explosives in there. And you never heard that again from eyewitnesses. And I remember reading that. I remember seeing reports about things like that. And then you never saw those again. Just something to be mindful of. But again, you know, that's, not conspiracy. That's what eyewitnesses said. And I know eyewitnesses are often not very reliable. I get that. It's a very sad day. And we cannot forget it. We won't. But I also won't forget. I won't forget those whose lives were taken. And I also won't forget the exploitation of the day. Because that's really what it's turned into. And it turned into that from day one. Yeah, Donald Rumsfeld in the Oval Office talking about, well, let's go after Iraq. Iraq didn't do it, but let's go after them anyway. You know, it it was that kind of thing. And the lies that were told. I'll never forget those and these Republicans who lied and who wrapped themselves in a flag while they take away any notion of democracy, in quotes, while they take away your right to vote, your right to choose. These Republicans are filthy. And that's what I'll always, always remember about 9-11-2001 as well as these terrorists who took lives of people. And all of them can go to hell. Dear listener, welcome back.
Yeah, it's a very somber day, September 11th, 2001. And today, of course, September 11th, 2023. Downtown in uh, the World Trade Center site where the Twin Towers actually stood was the memorial that takes place every year, the ceremony. Uh, I hate to call it even a ceremony. The memorial to commemorate what happened 22 years ago. And you had all the names read out. And you had all the officials there. You had uh, the former mayor of New York, Michael Bloomberg, there. You had the present mayor of New York, Eric Adams, there. You had the senator of New York, Chuck Schumer, there. I don't know if Senator Kirsten Gillibrand was there or not. I didn't see her in the camera shots. Doesn't mean that she wasn't there. I just didn't see her. Um, I did see the present governor of New York, Kathy Hochul. Of course, I did not see that piece of garbage. The former governor, Andrew Cuomo, Cuomo anywhere near, thank God. Um, and of course, didn't see that other piece of garbage, of course, who uh, was mayor on that day uh, in New York. And we know who I'm talking about, that piece of garbage, that criminal. Um, and there were the former governor of New York, the Republican governor at the time, George Pataki, he was governor uh, at the time. Um, he was there. So there were a number of officials and the vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris, was there as well, though I didn't see her, but I read reports um, that she was there. So, you know, uh, this is a very sad day, very sad day indeed. And um, we won't forget. I sometimes think that it's sadder now. And it was sad at the time, of obviously, on that day. But looking back now, 22 years, I actually think it's sadder, you know, uh, only because of what I talked about in the first block of this episode, dear listener that uh, the lives that have been lost and what's happened to the United States since then, the United States has been turned into an authoritarianist and fascist country, which, look, it's always been a fascist country, by the way. Um, the underpinnings of fascism have never been far away from the United States. Um, it's been at least 100 years of it, even if you go before 100 years ago. Just look at the way that black people were treated prior to 100 years ago and the way we're being treated now still, it's not changed. And that fascism existed then. It existed 400 years ago, the way that we were treated, our ancestors were treated. So fascism has never gone away from this country. It's been ever present in the United States. And we're seeing the manifestations of it again now. Never, It's never gone. So all of those things have happened in the last 22 years. Um, as a further confirmation of these things. And, and we've seen what's happened with the way that black people have been treated throughout this time. We've seen the erosion of rights. And so when you have something like what happened 22 years ago and the commemoration of it today, as each year goes on, the sadness grows, at least for me. And again, if you've lost people uh, since 9-11-2001, in your own personal or orbit, in your own personal life, you've lost someone, perhaps. Lost people that you love, lost people that you've known. Uh, and, you know, I think we've all experienced that in some degree over the last 22 years. And then the sadness really hits you, obviously. And then it hits you, perhaps, on a day like this, even more acutely, perhaps. So that's really, you know, um, the thing I wanted to say. And, of course, there's been a lot that's gone on the last few days and... Um, you know, we've seen things happen. I remember over the weekend, Coco Goff, who won uh, the U.S. Open women's title over the weekend, her first Grand Slam tennis uh, title. And she talked about her father, her dad, 
not uh, seeing, you know, she saw her dad cry for the first time up close. For the first time she saw him cry ever in her 19 years of life, right? And there's a shot of him in the crowd waving, going, no, 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 don't tell them that. And I kind of, even though I was very happy for Coco and I was crying, you know, I was, I was really, I was sad. Not, I was not sad. I was saying, no, you should be telling people that you cry. Don't tell your daughter not to tell the world that. That's the problem. We don't emote as men. We as men do not emote very much. Many of us don't as men. It's good to have a cry. It's good to have some emotion. Have some feeling, man. You're not any less of a man if you cry, if you shed tears. And that's the problem. Our society keeps telling us, oh, to be a man, 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 you can't show tears. You can't cry your eyes out. You can't, you can't bawl your eyes out. I mean, it's like, no, be a man and cry. That's what it means. Have some feelings. Show your emotions. And that's the problem with some of us as men. Many of us as men. We don't express our feelings. Many of us. We don't and we need to. We don't even express our feelings to ourselves, to other men, to women. We don't. We definitely don't express our feelings to other men. Women have intimate relationships. And I'm talking about emotional intimacy with other women. But men don't with other men. It's been it's looked at as taboo. Ooh, you are a certain something or other if you have, if you express your feelings to other men, if you express your emotions. It's got nothing to do with your identity and your sexuality. It's everything to do with your emotional makeup and your mental health. If you don't do these things, so we have to be more emotionally healthy. And we have to be less toxically masculine on that note. And we have to unlearn toxic masculinity. Men have to unlearn this. So that is the thing as well about 9-11, you know. I'll never forget Michael J. Fox, you know, when he was, I think, just kind of pre-disclosing uh, the, uh, the Parkinson's that he has now. And at the time, he, there was this special concert for the firefighters and the NYPD who perished in 343 plus people, firefighters and, and NYPD who perished in New York in those Twin Towers 22 years ago today. And I remember him getting up there going, we're, we're going to kick Osama bin Laden's royal ass and something like that. Right? And that was Michael J. Fox back then. You could probably still find that on YouTube. And now look where Michael J. Fox is struggling with Parkinson's. And it was all this toxically masculine you know, although let's get this effort and da-da-da-da-da-da. And I understand that. I was all in favor of getting him as well. Absolutely. Get Osama bin Laden. But we didn't even keep him alive to bring him to justice. We did the easy thing. Which is get rid of him completely. Which I wish we hadn't done. I wish we had actually jailed his ass. You know? But he got off very lightly. Osama bin Laden got off very lightly that day, or at least in years past, 2009. There's just so many feelings and emotions about that day 22 years ago. You know, all these, as I said, all these Republican politicians who exploit that, I'll never forget this. You know, in years past, you had this guy, Ted Poe um, from Tennessee or whichever 
he wherever he's from, the House Republican, he's still there in office, the best that I remember. And he would always sign off his speeches going, we will never forget 9-11. We will never forget. And it's like, you, you've forgotten it, pal. You've exploited it. That's how you forget it. That's how you remember it. That's how you forget it or remember it, by exploiting it. And exploiting your constituents, your fear-based constituents who are just afraid of everything that doesn't look like them. You know, usually you're, you're mostly white constituents. I'm sure it's most of them who vote for you. And you've done nothing for them. But as long as you keep them afraid, they'll continue to vote for you. Even when they know you've done jack crap for them. And that is the lot of many Republicans in this country now. And many of the white people who vote for them. Blindly, ignorantly. That is where we are, dear listener. 22 years later. All this AI, all this stuff going on, all this automation. It has not left us a better people. It has left us poor in our hearts, poor in our souls. And it has left a few people on this planet richer. Financially. Those white male billionaires. And some brown billionaires too. But it has left them very rich. Very rich indeed. And some politicians continue to exploit all of these things. I hope you are feeling a certain way about this day. Or about any other anniversary that causes you to feel pain, causes you to reflect. And of course, I do want to remind you, and I'll go into this a lot more in the next few days and weeks, that we must vote. We must vote. That's the one thing I want to leave you with in this episode, dear listener, is that we must vote every election that we have a chance to vote in. Every election you must vote in, locally, state, federal, I don't care which it is. I don't care. You've got to vote in every one of those things. You cannot afford to say, oh, this doesn't affect me. I will tell you in a few days from now, in the next few days, how it does affect you. I will be here to educate on voting, the building blocks of voting, why you need to vote, what the system is in the United States when it comes to voting, the importance of it, the structure that you must be aware of, locally, state, federal, all of that will be broken down in the next few days as we get ready more than a year away from elections. So I must tell you that, um, you know, that's the story. Well, the bell has been rung here, and so I think it's time. Uh, to move along. It's a sad, solemn day. I do hope you find some peace and solace. If you've experienced loss, and I know that you must surely have, I do hope that you keep remembering and keep honoring the memory of that loved one or loved ones that you've lost in your life. Because I try to do that every day. And I know that you do too. You can follow me, of course, on X, as it's called now, at the popcorn, R-E-E-L. And you can also follow me on Spoutable. You can download the app, 
S-P-O-U-T-I-B-L-E on Android and on Apple. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel, which you can find on the following, youtube.com forward slash at sign the politocrat, P-O-D. And of course, uh, this podcast itself. Subscribe and download and pass this podcast around, please. Um, The Politocrat is here for you. And I do appreciate you, dear listener, for everything. Thank you for continuing to listen and spreading the word about the Politocrat Daily Podcast. It's it's such an appreciative thing. And I do appreciate and respect you. Thank you very much for listening to this edition of the Politocrat. I'm Omar Moore.